Welcome back to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, everyone. I'm Ross Thorburn, and in today's episode, we have Professor Mike McCarthy with us to talk about vocabulary. You'll hear Mike talking about which words in English should we prioritize and teach first? When should we teach different aspects of vocabulary? So looking at things like collocation, connotation, and register. How should we present new vocabulary to students? Is it useful to teach vocabulary in lexical sets? And how can we stop students forgetting some of the vocabulary that they've already learned? Enjoy the episode. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. To begin with, there are so many words in English. Prioritizing which ones to teach is obviously very important. So which words should teachers teach first? Is it as simple as just trying to teach the most common words to students first? Well, the answer is that it's not quite as simple as just teaching the most common words. Of course, you must teach the most common words for several reasons, not least because these are the words you're going to hear more often than any other words. But there's also another good reason for learning the most common words, and that is that they actually support the less common words when we create sentences or utterances when we speak. So they are a kind of scaffolding in the language. The most common words, well, it depends on whether you're speaking or writing. And of course, it depends on the kinds of context you're using language in. So if you're writing an academic essay, then the common and most frequent words will be slightly different from the common and most frequent words if you were just writing a friendly email. But what we do know is that for everyday social interaction speaking, there are round about 2,000 to 2,500 words which are so common that you simply cannot survive without them. And all those other tens of thousands of words are, relatively speaking, rare. So that's a good reason for learning common words. But if you're talking about a learning environment, a classroom or an online or virtual classroom, then you need quite a lot of other language as well, because part of teaching and learning a language is the management of learning. So it will be very useful to learn a word like page in a book, in a textbook, or even mute your microphone in order for the class to progress in a normal fashion, even though those words, words like page and mute and microphone, are not common words. So there is that. There is also, of course, the personal needs of each individual student. What do they want to talk about? What's important for them in their life? And this may involve quite a lot of words which are not necessarily terribly common. You might have a hobby or a pastime which has quite a specialised vocabulary. So it's that combination of the key most common words which scaffold the rest of the vocabulary, the words for teaching and learning management, and the personal investment words, the words that you want to use because that's what you want to talk about in the foreign language. Great. So that was which words we should teach. Next, I wanted to ask you about what we should teach students about those words. So for some simple words like, let's see, dog, we can show students a picture and students will know what that means. But as learners get more advanced, there's more things to know about words like register, collocation, connotation, etc. So 
Tell us about those different aspects. How important are they and when should we teach them? Well, I think there's a little bit of a misconception about collocation, the idea that it's an advanced level skill. Now, that's true to a certain extent. It's true because we do have evidence that collocation is the last remaining problem for very advanced students. So they have a huge vocabulary, but they still have problems with normal or natural collocations. However, collocation is there at the heart of the way we use language. And even the simplest words, the most frequent words, very often have collocational restrictions. So even an A2 learner will be familiar with verbs like make and take and do and go and so on. But of course, these verbs not only have their basic meanings of go meaning moving or make meaning to create something, they form a lot of collocations. So to make a decision to take a bus. All of these very ordinary everyday collocations involve high-frequency words. So as far as I am concerned, I don't think you can start too early with collocation, but you start with those high-frequency words like take and make and go and get. So getting a bus is different from getting a newspaper or getting the phone. And these are extremely common words, extremely common collocations. So I think you can start on these simple matters quite early in the learner's journey. But register and connotation, I think, are slightly different in so much as to be able to make the appropriate choices of register and connotation, you need to have quite a large vocabulary because you need to be able to select from a number of different possible candidates for the most suitable word for that register or the most suitable word for the connotation that you wish to convey. So those, I think, are more likely to be advanced level skills. And there is no doubt that at the very lowest levels, Learning a lot of basic words as quickly as possible has always been my recipe for good language learning. So it's the old adage that with a lot of grammar and a little bit of vocabulary, you can't say much. But with a lot of vocabulary and a little bit of grammar, you can say a lot. Now, you said earlier that there are two to two and a half thousand very common words in English, which is a lot. And I think one of the big challenges for learning that vocabulary is simply that we forget a lot of it. I know I certainly do often look things up on my phone, save them, and then <laughs> I come back to that list in a couple of weeks later and it's like I've never seen those words before. Mm. So tell us about some of your favorite activities for helping students remember vocabulary. Well, you, you mentioned your phone, and of course the phone is the modern version of the vocabulary notebook that we all used to carry around with us when we were learning foreign languages, uh, a little physical notebook. And one of the tips that um, I always remember was that in your notebook or your phone, you record the word and you record next to it. Each time you encounter it, you put an X or a little emoji or something. And if your word gets three emojis or three X's or three dots, 
That means it is a word you must not forget. It is a word you must keep coming back to. You don't have to come back to everything in your notebook, but anything that has three, it's almost like three likes on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter. Anything that has three marks next to it is something you must not forget. Because of course you will forget words. That's a natural part of learning your language. So getting students to do more with their phones or vocabulary notebooks than just recording it is one tip that I think has worked well for me over the years. The other thing about learning vocabulary and what you forget and reviving it is that we learn best when we manage to anchor the new onto the old. So if you want to revive old vocabulary in the class, it, this may sound like a contradiction, but if you want to revive old vocabulary in the class, do it along with some new vocabulary. Don't just say, right, we're going to revise all the old vocabulary you've already learned about travel or about finance. No, the trick is to say, we're going to do some new vocabulary today about travel and about finance. And in those activities, the old vocabulary will be there too. And this is a very normal process of human learning. We learn by attaching the new to the existing or the old. You mentioned new vocabulary there. I think at lower levels, new words tend to get taught in lexical sets. So for example, the zoo animals get taught together, then fruits, then rooms in a house, then days in a week. I wanted to ask you, given that what we know about how vocabulary is learned and stored in our brains, is that an effective way to present new words to students? That's a really good question because there is a kind of tension between what is in common use, which we can find out by looking at a corpus. And that's what I do before I write any materials for teaching. I first go to a corpus to see what words are in circulation and how common they are. But one of the problems you come up against is that these very neat lexical sets usually consist of words which have quite different frequencies. So even something as simple as the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you look at the frequencies of each of those words, you'll find that at least in the corpus, the British English corpus that I looked at, Tuesday and Wednesday were far less frequent than Friday and Saturday because, of course, people talk about what they do at the weekend. Nobody ever talks about what they do on Tuesday. <laughs> so, so we have that problem. For A1 students, should we say we're going to teach you five days of the week, but we're not going to teach you Tuesday and Wednesday? Well, clearly, this would be ridiculous because it's not just frequency which matters. What matters is the way we store words in the mind. And all the evidence is that we store words in our minds in the form of networks, neural networks, if you like, connections within the brain. So the idea of a lexical set is not just something that's out there in the language. It's something that is built into our minds. So we do indeed think of animals as all being part of the same world, as it were. We do indeed think of the week having seven days, not just five. So that psychological factor is very important in teaching. We want 
our students to store words in the most economical, efficient, natural, and normal way. That's why we teach them in lexical sets. But those lexical sets may well include some words which are not very frequent or far less frequent than others. So the zoo animals, I'm sure there are some zoo animals that are vastly more frequent than others in terms of uh, the number of times we use those words. But things like rooms in a house, well, you know, yes, there are some rooms which may be less frequent, but if we can create a psychological network of those words, then that's a very powerful thing to learn. Now, all those words that we just talked about there were quite specific, but I know that a lot of the vocabulary that gets used in everyday conversation is actually quite vague. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about that? Why do people use vague vocabulary? And is it useful to teach that to students? Okay, just imagine a world in which there was no vague language. And you and I meet in the streets and I'm carrying a couple of heavy looking bags and you say, hi, Mike, have you been shopping? And I say, yes, I've been buying things for my new apartment. And you say, oh, really? Well, what have you bought? And I say, well, cups and saucers and plates and things like that. Now, imagine if I couldn't say in things like that and I had to list everything I'd bought. By the time I'd finished my shopping list, you would have lost the will to live. <laughs> you would have already gone. So vague language fulfills a very important function, and that is it projects to the other person, you and I share the same world. We know what we mean by knives and forks and cups and saucers. We know what it includes. We don't have to specify everything. So a lot of interaction is concerned with projecting shared worlds, and we find it in academic English. We find lecturers in medicine and engineering saying expressions like, and that kind of thing. And the students are assumed to be able to understand what that means. Again, it's this question of grafting the new onto the old. And that kind of thing assumes that you already know what we're talking about. And I'm adding some new material, some new content to that. So vague language is not just because we're lazy. It is because we have to project how much we have in common, what worlds we share, what cultures we share in order to be able to communicate efficiently, naturally and normally. One more time, everyone, that was Professor Michael McCarthy. For more from him, check out his website, profmikemccarthy.org.uk. There's a link to that in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next time.